Want to learn what it takes to start, build or scale a business to 10 million revenue? Join me as I chat with business leaders, CEOs and founders about the secrets to scaling their businesses. Our guests are going to teach you the skills, knowledge and tips needed to start a successful business, how to achieve your first million and furthermore each episode's guest will share what they are doing that works. But best of all, you're going to learn the secrets to take your business to the 10 million mark. Join me now. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me. My name's Andy Hooper, and I'm here from Business Insider Secrets, where we aim to support, help, advise, talk about all the things about setting up a business, starting a business, growing a business, scaling a business, and eventually exiting a business. I've got an amazing guest with for you today that I'm really excited to bring on. Uh, I met this lady six months-ish ago now at an event where I was uh, going to educate myself to learn about what's the next step in what we're doing and how we're doing it. And I came across this wonderful lady who was uh, had some successful businesses, had some great stories, and I knew she'd be a great person to get onto the podcast. So, Susanna, welcome to the show. Thank you. That's a bit of a... Nice promotion. There Thank you go. You. So, well, I, you know, I can pull all lies, but, you know, it's all nice to get it. Get, I paid you well. I paid you well. Exactly. Build it up for everyone, you see. <laughs> Susanna, give, uh, for everyone that's listening, just give them a, a very sort of short bio, a bit about you, where you're based and what you currently do. So I am based in sunny South Manchester, better part of the country. Um, I am a mum of uh, two people who profess to be my children when they're in their 20s. I think they're, they're squatted in my house, but they're in their 19 and 22. Um, I've been in business for about 120 years. It feels that way anyway. <laughs> so uh, I, um, well, I've been, I've been in business for a long time, 30 years now, uh, but actually majority of my um, business experience has been as a self-employed, as an entrepreneur. I uh, scaled the glorious heights of, of paid unemployed uh, employment, should I say, um and left when i was 27 i'm now not 27 i'm nearly double that but um but actually i've done it quite quickly got to the top hated it i decided never to work for somebody again and i so i became an entrepreneur and i kind of really winged it for many years um i was working in manufacturing um, across the international landscape doing strategy commercial development marketing communications and actually even at that time, some brokerage between uh, distribution networks across the UK, across the world. Um, I kind of did all of that. Uh, I lived abroad, did, you know, built businesses abroad for myself, for other people, um, and then became a mum. So I took a little bit of time out for that. And, uh, well, I say a little bit of time, probably about 12 weeks. Uh, I was working <laughs> about four hours up to my uh, having my first daughter and then worked about six hours afterwards. Um and really, about um, probably about three and a half years ago, I've got into property as well. I'm very keen on social contribution. So we provide housing for veterans at the moment who have come out of service and find themselves in positions that aren't particularly great for them. Um, but I'd, I'd, I'd kind of got to the point where I didn't want to be operational anymore. You know, and I've got this, this toolkit of 30 years of business experience and very condensed where I'd done so much across many different sectors. Um, and somebody just suggested in passing, you know, had asked why I wasn't buying businesses. I'm like, I'd never even thought about that. That never in all of my career had somebody said to me, why don't you buy a business? And of course, my th first thought was, well, I'm not a multi multimillionaire. I can't do that. Um, and then and that's kind of almost where we cross paths, Andy, is that, you know, I decided to to kind of explore that further. And before I knew it, I was on a plane off to Boston the States, spent you know, some time with some really clever, brilliant people. And and that launched me into the world of mergers and acquisitions, where now, it was where I find myself now, you know, with, with very much of a priority of, of helping uh, founders, business founders, to secure profitable exits, you know, having done God knows how many years in their businesses, was to help them find the way out and get them into, whether it's retirement or some just some space to, you know, time and freedom to breathe and do that in the way that, means they don't have to look back and they don't have to feel worried about stuff. So I provide very secure, safe exits. And it's a world that I love. I absolutely bloody love it. Wonderful. I, I mean, I've got about 35 million questions just on that little snippet alone. Uh, I want to pick up on one of the first bits you said. 
about where, and, and it, it, it specifically relates to a conversation I've literally just had with someone an hour ago here, where, you know, the word of you, I started and I was just blagging it. And I, words to that effect. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that when you start a business, is you have no idea what you're doing and you are literally just blagging it. And, and it's okay to feel like that because everyone feels like that. Is that fair to say? I think so. I think it depends on the kind of person that you are, to be honest, Andy. I do. I think there's, there's, there's I guess there are people who are much more considered, you know, and they, and they need to have a plan. They need to know, you know, what their direct route is and they're very detail oriented. I wish I was that person. I'm not, you know, I'm in two feet and I'll work it out afterwards. So I think there's a balance of people, you know, and I think that's and in business. You need to have that balance. Otherwise it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. So, but I've always winged it. I think that's half of my, my you know, I come from a, a, a family where we had nothing growing up. And I mean, nothing, you know, and I, so I was always kind of finding ways to do things and making it up on the way. You know, I was an Avon lady at, at 13. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, they might have been 11. Either way, you know, wasn't it? Yeah, because, and I winged it then, you know, I winged it. So I think in business, there are, you know, the rules exist. It's whether entrepreneurs, they usually start with a passion, don't they? They have this great idea. They go out and they do it and they do what they think they can do and they get lots of kind of conflicting advice sometimes and so i one, think it's sorry, susanna sorry to stop you one second i've got this booked at one o'clock one till two okay sorry susanna sorry <laughs> can you edit that out later i'll cut that bit i'll have to edit that bit um okay yeah so, yeah, so people do what you know i think I think it's a case of, you know, making the best use of the resources that you've got at that time. So you're kind of learning as you're going and you're making the mistakes as you're going. That tends to be the entrepreneurial route, right? I've done it. I, yeah. I've done it that many times. Yeah. I, I think that's part and parcel. And I think that in the now, though, where, you know, I started off in business 20 odd years ago, we didn't have social media then. We didn't have all of this plethora of free resource online, like, you know, podcasts like this yes. I just didn't exist when I was around so we you know you very much relied on what you could do at that time with with what you had yeah. so yeah winging it has been part of my history for sure I think I, I mean there's a there's a balance between winging it blagging it making con some considered decisions but knowing that you don't know everything and don't don't not start because you don't think you know everything. I think that's the I think that's the bit for me is don't take action. Sorry, take action, even if you don't think you know everything about it, because everyone's got started when they don't know everything. Well done is perfect, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Out there, just get it out there, you know, and, and don't procrastinate too much about the fact. Don't make it perfect. Don't wait. You know, I still haven't got a bloody website. You know, people say, Where's your I still haven't got one. I'm doing loads of business, but I still haven't got a website because I've got time. So yeah, I agree with you. I think um, yeah, people have just got to keep moving. You've got to keep consistently moving and making small steps in the right direction, knowing that you're going to fall off. You will fall off the path. You will because that's just the nature of, of how the entrepreneurial journey goes. Just the way it is. Yes, I, I think that. And what you were explaining in that piece was you different different. I don't want to say life cycles, but cycles certainly in your journey from you know, 27 to you know, being employed to starting your own business to then understanding, okay, this is what a business looks like. This is how I run a business. This is what I'm doing. And then that took different phases as to now you've moved to a different phase where it's acquiring businesses that are already set up, which we'll, we'll get to. Um, and I think that's really important that people understand that you go through different cycles in, and some people just stay in one cycle. That's fine. There's no, we're not here to say one, one way is better than the other. Everyone wants to do something in a different way. Um, but what I'd love to know is before you even got into, you know, your first work, what did, what was school like for you? What was, you know, what was that sort of education, a traditional education piece? Like, was you, was you a good girl or was you the, the naughty one or was you the ADHD one or was you the no grades one? What did that look like? 
what do you think I was? I suspect he was the chatterbox in the corner uh, that was probably incredibly capable, um, but sort of got through the exams, but didn't a star them because he was too busy talking or too <laughs> more engaged in doing other stuff that was more exciting, but you just sort of got through. So, that, so that's really, really interesting because actually I was really shy. Really? Yeah, actually. So yeah, most definitely. So I, I came from, so I came from a family we were a little bit nomadic. So I was born in Germany, actually. So I had a, I've got a German mother and a British dad who also had an Austrian mother. So my life started in Germany and I went to school in Germany. I didn't speak any English until I was about five or six. So I was always kind of, yeah, and I kind of went backwards and forwards a couple of times. So I kind of always felt like I wasn't sure where I belonged, you know, and, and I was brought up in a very working class family. You know, my, I lived in a council estate, which I'm still so proud of. You know, I'm really proud that I grew up really there because, it, you know, I think when you grow up with nothing, everything else is a bonus. And also you, you, you get to choose where you go. You either decide, well, that's your lot, that's where you are, and that's fine, yeah. or you don't. Mm. And I was, from a very early age, I thought, I don't want to, I, I love where I am, but I always had aspirations to be, to do something different. It was always in me to do something. I think the entrepreneurial piece, which came from my mother, really, who you know, she, she had nothing, you know, and she'd st and again, typical German, she'd say, look, if you can peel one carrot, you can peel 10. So meaning if you can make one meal at the same time. So we, she'd make dinner and then ask us to go and take the rest to the poor people, even though we were poor, you know? So yeah. I think from, so I always was striving. And for me, you know, I grew up in a Thatcherite government where she believed education, education, education. I was, I was, you know, the output of that. And, and actually, I was a real swat. And the reason being, though, is because I was, even at a young age, I was thinking, this is my way out, in a way, my way to a better way, that I was seeing my parents struggle all the time. Yes. So I just did it. And I remember my teacher at the time, say, time saying to me, you know, Suze, you've, um, you know, all work and no play, it's not good for you. Because I was asking for more and more homework. I wanted to get better, you know, and I was trying to, I was coming from a German speaking to English speaking. And so I was a bit of a swat, to be fair. And um, I, I was a swat. And, uh, and, I, and I went on to become, you know, the head girl at the school, at the secondary school and, you know, and all of that stuff. I was still fun. I just knew that education was the way forward. So, and I did get, you know, I was the first to go to university. I got a university degree. But before then, I didn't want to be poor. So I, I took a year out and I worked at British Airways for a little bit. And then I worked for my dad, who's a technical author. So I had money. So I had money to take with me to university. Yes. So, yeah. So are you bilingual? Do you speak German, yes. English and Austrian? Yes. I, yes, I do. Austrian is the yeah. same as German, just a different dialect. But yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I love to see. This is what I love about these. You you really get to know people properly when you do a podcast. I love it. Yeah. I love that. And do you think that the the reason you was more shy at school was because of the the, the sort of perhaps the language and, and the crossing backwards and forwards? Do you think that's what the if you was at school now, do you think you would be as dedicated and pushed into it? I mean, you're pretty driven. So I guess so. And I've always been driven. I think that's the thing. I've always been driven. I've forever been driven. And I, and again, I don't know if that's inherently you know, something you, I'm with. I was influenced by my mum a lot. My mum used to go to the local wholesalers in Manchester and she'd go and buy, for instance, towels, Zorbit towels. I remember the Zorbit towels. And she'd go and see Mr. Abraham. She said, look, I've got, I've got any money. She said, but I'll leave you a cheque. In the old days we had cheques. And yeah. if, if, if I don't come up with the cash, this time next week, you can cash the cheque. And she'd come back and, and she'd go and sell it to the community. She'd go and sell it to the community. And what she did, almost like network marketing, pyramid selling before it even, it, before it even had a name. So, you know, so I, I was always kind of seeing that there was, you know, this opportunity. And I think, would I be different uh, if I went back now? Probably not, actually. I think I'll probably still follow the same path. You know, I was, yeah. university, again, was a bit different. You know, I was, I, I was, you know, a bit of a party girl then, but I still worked, I felt like I had to work much harder than anybody else. 
just to get to where I needed to be. What did you so, do at uni? Manchester. Manchester, oh, UMIST. I went to UMIST. UMIST. Okay. Manchester Institute of Science and Technology. So I did a, a management science degree. Yeah. Um, and I was very certain, I was always very certain about what I wanted to do. You know, I knew that I wanted to work in the international landscape. So I, I looked at jobs that only took me to abroad because I love travel and I wanted to be abroad. And that comes from my nomadic background. And so my first job was with Ross Young's, um, at Vitti's Ross Young's actually in Grimsby. Uh, <laughs> so all my friends were going to London to the high, you know, the lovely, like, the highlights of London. And I was going to fish dock yeah. number three in Grimsby. <laughs> That's where I ended. Um, but I, I went into the international marketing department there. And, and again, I was very driven, you know, I, yeah. I knew what I wanted. Nice. I love that. That's a great little story. Um, so fast forward to you've then decided that, you know, you don't want to work for someone anymore. You're not interested in that particularly for various reasons. Like we, we've, we've, all, we've all got different reasons. What was the first business you went to? And what did that transition look like? Was it? I've just got, I'm just going to start a business today. Or was there a transition period, a crossover period? What did that look like? Well, it, it came because I'd had a, a particularly unpleasant experience in the last business I'd got to. You know, I was already, you know, on the board of directors at the age of 26 uh, for a large manufacturing business, international manufacturing business. And it was in North America, my business. And I'd taken it from six to nine million and it ended very badly. And it's a longer story. But, and I thought, well, actually, I already have a business here. I know what I'm doing. So what happened was when I finished there, you know, I, I set up as an independent consultant and I just went to those same clients and said, look, I'm independent now. You know, yep. what do you want to do? And well, let's broke some deals. So I was, I was starting then to, to manage distribution from the US to the UK. And I was kind of broken it that way doing, I used the skills that I had, which were, you know, I was, brilliant at communication it's one of still one of my biggest skills I'm, I'm very good at connecting people I'm very strategic I've, I know how to piece things together and I know how to bring people together yeah. I also know how to sell the dream that's what I do really well I, I'm able to very you know that's my I guess if you have superpowers that's mine so that kind of that kind of that matchmaking ability came that's how I was showing up and, and that's where it started and and I just made money I just thought I don't care how it works I'll just make money and that's what it was so I started this consultancy and it was basically you know pairing up um, distributors and manufacturers in the in the states who wanted to come to the UK and vice versa that's how that started which which ironically is essentially what I do now yes we take e-commerce businesses from the US and bring them to Europe yeah I mean, essentially, it's, it's probably slightly different, but... Well, not really. It's the same principle, isn't it? You're, you're, you're broken relationships. You're bringing yeah. relationships together and you're making it so that both parties, you know, win. And that's it. Yeah, fantastic. So what was the story with that then? What, how did that sort of come to an end or, or move on? What was the... Everything that I've ever done has kind of been, you know, it's organically just grown and moved and... And I've never been, I've always been, you know, square peg, round hole, always. And, I've, and also, I've got a very fast, curious brain. So it's really interesting when you said earlier, were you the chatterbox in the corner and you were, and I wasn't then. But actually, interestingly, you know, I could never really quite understand why I couldn't just be that one track pony that could just do one thing. For the, I just couldn't do it. My brain wouldn't allow it. And at 40, whatever I was, 42, I got diagnosed with ADD. So it's distinct to ADHD. I'm not like a, you know, I don't flitter around, but I'm very hyper-focused. But it also contextualised why I was able to piece things very quickly together. And, and also why my brain wasn't couldn't stand still, as in if it bored me, I was out, I was done. So what yeah. happened was I kind of found my way through. And when people said, can you do this? If it interested me, I'd say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. So I've had, you know, I had a marketing agency, which I ran because somebody said, could you do me a website? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. But that that was, you know, I then created a, a marketing agency. I had a marketing events business, you know, that was super successful um, in the fashion world. So I kind of, and then moved, you know, I, I, ended up, I did some work in oil and gas. I know nothing about oil and gas. Someone said, you know, can you help us in the oil and gas? And I'm like, yeah, of course I can. Do you, um, on that, do you believe that you, you can turn your hand to anything? Yes. 
Yeah, it's interesting. When I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, the one thing that definitely is in common, and the ADD bits, interesting. I mean, ADHD, ADD, you, there's lots of different styles of those. But definitely one of the things that I see for the people I talk to is that they can turn their hand to almost anything they want to because they believe that they can just switch and do it without any any shadow of a doubt. They can, okay, well, I can, well, of course I can do that. But when you talk to people that don't think like that, and I'm, I'm firmly in exactly the same camp, I believe I can literally turn my hand to anything other than I might be able, not be able to put a rocket on the moon, although I reckon I could with the right, the right thought process. Right, I, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer. If anything that involves study, you know, understanding deep study, I'm no good at. I'm not, no interest because yeah. I get bored too easy. I just can't, just got no. But the belief that people can just turn their hand to anything to do, whether it be, you know, marketing agency, event company, whatever, doesn't really matter. It's the ability that you believe that you can do something. When you talk to other people, they're like, oh, no, no, I just like doing this. And that's all I can do. And I can't decide if that's because we're completely weird or if they are so funneled or we're just different people. We're different people. Uh, and I, I, I can say that for myself now because I know now that I've got, you know, I've got neurodiversity. It's what powers my brain. And so we are different. There's no doubt we're different. I'm not saying that every entrepreneur has got ADD or neurodiversity. But if you look at some of the, you know, the brilliant ones, they have. Richard Branson's an example of that, you know. And I think with the other thing is, is that we don't carry as much risk. The idea of risk is there, but actually it's almost kind of you're considering it once you've actually got into it. So so I think we, you know, again, personally, from my standpoint, I think it's we are different, which is why we're in the minority or used to be in the minority of people who started businesses. Um but I see people who start businesses and they're very risk averse. They're very cautious. They hold themselves back and, you know, they, they know their own strengths and they know their own limitations. Mm. I know my own strengths, and my own limitations, but I ignore them quite a lot of the time. <laughs> you know, I, do, I ignore yeah. the, the fact that I shouldn't really be doing that. Yeah. Um, but I do it anyway. So, and, and you know, I, I, the other thing is, my, my whole thing is, is this, the greater risk is doing nothing. Yeah. And, and looking back and going, shit, why did I not do that? You know, why did I not do that? There's so many people out there have got an idea. The only difference between your idea and somebody else's idea is they've taken action to do it. That that That's the key thing is people sit back. And some of that is because they're risk averse. Some of yeah. it is they've got a whole load of number of fears that could be a fear of this and a fear of that and all the rest of it. But the number one thing is they just can't be bothered to get up off the sofa and actually do it. They'd much rather sit and watch Netflix from seven till 11 rather than do something that's going to get, take them forwards. It's hard, um, graft. it's hard graft, Andy. It doesn't matter. You know, it's all, it's, it's great that you can look at this kind of smoke screen across some of these social, you know, the social media platforms and, and it's looking so easy and you're making, you know, eight, nine figures overnight in 10 minutes. That's just not the reality. Anybody who's a true entrepreneur will tell you it's a load of old, it's just not that's not what it is you've got to really nail down it's hard it's hard and if you want a nine to five and take a three-hour lunch break you know and do 600 press-ups in the park I mean, that's not going to happen and that's the fake news it's the fake entrepreneurial news which i think sets people up in the wrong way they, they look at that and think well, that's that i'm doing that i'm going to leave my job i'm going to leave my job um, because that's really hard. I'm going to do entrepreneurialism because that looks really bloody easy. And I get to drive a Porsche in the next 10 minutes, you know, and I'm, I'm living a life on the Caribbean. I mean, I'm now digital nomad. It's, it's interesting, actually. I was at a, a, a chat the other day uh, and this guy was talking and he'd, he'd had a job all his life. And then it's like, and then I've, and then I set, I set myself up as an entrepreneur. I was like, what? <laughs> basically set himself up a business and was now a business owner um and was was running a business and I, I think that we see this entrepreneur word flashed around all over the place to me it means someone that's built a business grown a business doesn't run it sells it or gets other people to run it and has got other businesses not someone who's got one business who's working in the business but everyone's probably got a different take on that i get that apologies if i offended anyone um but that wasn't the intention but you know, when you think about all the different things that you've done, all those different you know, um, businesses you talked about there, but was 
all about solving a problem for someone. Right? Always. Always. So yeah. you've, you've come at this from a point where, okay, someone's got a problem. I need to solve it. I'm going to solve it. And okay, I'm going to make some cash out of the back of this somewhere. But, mm -hmm. but was, the, was the focus solving the problem or earning the cash? Solving the problem. And, and there is a great learning point for anyone listening. Business is about solving problems. Yes, you've got to make some cash. I'll totally I get that. But it comes. You've just got to be patient. What, with the different businesses you set up, what do you think would be the thing that anyone who hasn't set up a business yet, uh, and there'll be some people that listen to this that haven't set up a business, what do you think the learning points were from that, that crossover period, from going from employment and into, you know, you said that was at 27. Now, clearly that was only a few years ago. So I know you've got a good memory to be able to pick that out. <laughs> Yeah, I wish. So, yeah. yeah, well, the one thing is, I think most, if you are, you know, if people listen to this are thinking about moving from employment to self-employment, is to get really quite clear on one thing. It's not the same thing. Working for somebody else is not the same as working for yourself. And the single most important thing at being in business for yourself is to have discipline. You've got to have discipline because without the discipline, nothing happens, you know, and and it's a and it's an absolute roller coaster ride. So one thing I'd say is be prepared, set your expectations higher, and if if you don't have to work, you know, twelve hours a day, then it's a bonus. But you have to prepare to compromise and give up. You know, it's delayed gratification. Most entrepreneurs, you know, or but let's call it, you know people who get into business, is that it takes two three years before you you should be prepared to get into any kind of break even point even you know you've got to prepare that you may not make loads of money in the beginning in fact the reality is you won't you just won't and and the reality is over 60 percent fail you know within six years well between three and six years so there's a high failure rate so you have to go in prepared one mentally that this is what you've got to set yourself up as and two you've got to go in really I'm talking a good game here because I don't always do it, but you've got to go in with a plan at least to say, what's the problem you're solving? How are you going to solve it? Is what you're going to do realistic? Is what you've got mm. something that somebody else wants? Because I see that all the time. People have a great idea. It's the best thing ever, but then they haven't got a market for it. It's yep. just a great idea. And so, it, you know, it falls flat on its face because they've not done the research and the background on it. So, and we're in a much more competitive landscape now. You've got to remember that, you know, the number yeah. of people moving into employment is going this way. And that's because of what's happened with COVID, you know, and, and the whole economic situation. People are trying to find ways to make more money. Yeah. That said, there's still mega amounts of opportunity because now we live in a digital world. So that that's my experience is to say, you know, and, and also something I think, again, a lot of people miss and it's so important. And I know you're going to agree to this, Andy, is you have to become financially literate. You've got to know your numbers. You can't just exist on things looking nice and feeling pretty and hope and winging it. You have to know your numbers. If you don't know your numbers, get a great, well, you've got to get a great accountant anyway. Surround yourself with people who can advise you in the best way. But that, that, to me, is where a lot of people fall over. Because cash flow will always be king and it will always bring most people down. Do you know what? And there's, there's, for me, what I've been learning recently for you know, the journey that we've been on is that one is the, the accounting side, you've got to know your numbers. I totally get that. I understand cash in the bank and all the rest of it, 100%. Don't rely on what someone's telling you. Actually look at your bank. Like Actually look and see how much is in your bank. Because... You, you can you can have a look at your, your profit and loss and it can see if you see all these wonderful numbers. But if no one's paid you, it's, it's nonsense. So you get that. But I think one of the things coming back to knowing your numbers, it's also about knowing the numbers of everything else within the business as well. You know, is it the number of leads that come in? Is it the conversion of the leads? Is it the average car transaction? Is it the number of transactions? Like, I mean, you know, and depending on it in someone else's business, there's lots of different numbers in each business that are the metrics that you want to ascertain. What, what did you look when you were looking at non-financial numbers, as in non-accounting numbers? What data did you always find that was really useful to understand about the businesses you were running or are running? 
Well, I've always had put KPIs, the key performance indicators in place. You know, I've always done that, even if it didn't have that name at the time. So it was, for me, it was always around sales. Again, without sales, you've not got a business. So it would be, you know, conversion of, you know, web, for instance, you know, web traffic to conversion to lead or quotation to lead. If I was doing quotations, you know, how many quotations came out the other end? Mm. Also performance, you know, was, you know, were the hours, especially staff, you can do a return on, you know, were the employees delivering the right amount of revenue per person? So I think each business has to have its own, you know, uh, defining metrics, depending on what they do, because a manufacturing business will be different to a service-based business, a marketing agency, for instance, where it's measured more on time, you know? So I think it's it's a, it's a tough one because also KPIs, for me, they, they, I don't set a KPI for, for the year, you know, and I'm setting KPIs for every quarter and they change because what you measure grows. So if you're doing it properly, then actually you should be switching it down or switching it up again. So and and actually your KPIs can be against HR, it could be against IT, it could be against people, it could be against finances. So it's a mixed bag really, Andy. I think it, it depends on what I'm measuring at that particular time. Yeah, but it always comes down, it has to always at some point come down to profit somewhere down the line. It always has to drill back down to that. Well, the, well, the numbers have got to tell you whether you're getting more customers or losing customers or whether those customers are profitable in the first place. Correct. Because you can have 100 customers, but if 99 of them are lost leading and one's profitable, you might as well only have one client. Well, and it's really interesting. I've been with a client this week and doing phenomenally well at the top and, you know, in, into the millions, multi-millions. Um, and yet doesn't make profit so it's really interesting you know people judge themselves and they say well, i'm doing really well because i'm doing 10 million pounds and you look at the profit and they're doing minus 50 and you think well actually what are you in business for That's... what are you in business for because if you're not measuring your profit and you're not making profit you're just you just it's just a vanity position you just got a business full of people that you're paying That's it. yeah yeah, so, well, that's, yeah turnover's vanity it is and that's what you know i think and the other i guess as well in the school of entrepreneurialism very few people um kind of are aware of that part of the journey is not somebody doesn't sit down and say well that's a couple of things here first what's the end point where are you going with this and why are you doing it you have to have the reason why because otherwise you're not going to get out of bed or off the sofa and two where's it going where, what do you want this to be? Do you want it to be a lifestyle business? In which case your KPIs are different, aren't they? Your measurements of what is, you know, is it performing the way you want is different. Because if it's paying your bills, you're going on holiday and actually don't need to make a lot of profit, and that's great. No problem. If you go for a bigger business, you need to know that there's, there's an end game somewhere because it, otherwise, you, you know, you're making decisions that are just operational, not strategic. Yep. So... So, but I, again, it's that missing link in, in, in the business journey where too few entrepreneurs are asked the right questions or ask themselves the right questions at the beginning. And therefore they go off, you know, and, and I mean, you and I have done it. You go off, don't you? And you do your stuff. And it's only natural. It's natural. It's the normal way. It is the normal way. I'm trying to, I'm trying in my own world at the moment to, to kind of shift that, that, that thinking because we live in a new world now uh, and in this new world you know we're working within different parameters there's different yeah. expectations of people now yeah but that comes back to the, the different cycles you go through within your business you know i look back at the different businesses i've had and the, the the transitions that you go through that some people just never transition they're just happy with the lifestyle business only 100 grand a year 50 grand a year it suits them and their family they take 50 grand out 100 grand whatever it is and it just works really really well Perfect. it's there's no problem with that whatsoever. And I applaud you, sir or madam, 100%. Um, but some go through these transitions. But in order to transition from one stage to another, you've got to educate yourself and learn and listen to other people. And uh, I don't want to say, say network because network and educate are very different. But when you network with different people from different backgrounds, you learn what was going on. And I want to pick up and move into the acquisition side now because something you said right at the beginning was that you know I had this conversation they said well you should buy a business and at that point you thought oh that's a good idea rather than 
you what I'd love to know because you've got that. So coming back to educate and network are two different things, but you've clearly had a conversation with someone there at some point and gone, oh yeah, that would speed things up. How give us a bit more about that conversation? I just had never considered it, just never had. And then you kind of go into that limiting belief thing a little bit to begin with, you know, that, you know, uh, that piece where you think, well, that, I couldn't do that. There's no way I haven't got the skills to do that. Forgetting you've got 30 years of business experience of growing multi-million pound business, you just, yeah. that's not for me, it's a different world. Imposter syndrome, isn't it? It's that. Yeah. Um, and then what I did was what I, I always do, Andy, which is then I took to Google and I just thought, all right, okay, well, I'd have to pay somebody to do that because obviously I've got an amazing brain. I could do this myself. Yeah. So I just went and self-educated then. I read, and I mean, literally, I took it all in. Anything, YouTube, Google, you name it, any free course or any small mini course, I did the lot. And then I did what I do best, which is then I started winging it. I thought, I can do this. This is brilliant, right? I've got it. I've got it all sewn up. This is ace. And I'd started phoning business brokers up, right? And all these courses and all this stuff said, don't go near business brokers. You know, it'll be something you regret forever in a day. And at the time, rose-tinted glasses, I thought, this is Susanna Hancock. She does things differently, because I always do. I always think I'm a little bit better. They'll be different with me. It's a bit like when you're a child, you always think you're not going to go through the pain factor that your friend went through, not sleeping for 18 years. So I did that. And what happened was in winging it and I, and I was winging it to the extent of I've you know I kind of get the concept I know how it fits together I know what I'm supposed to be saying and of course I've got business experience I can have grown-up conversations about business I can do it yeah. and what I did was I thought well where do I go first so I built quite I was a very good knowledge base and background in history and legacy and reputation in um, kind of the interior world, you know, fashion interiors, commercial interiors. So that's what I did. I, I had lined up, I'd had conversations with three commercial interior design businesses, all doing over a million quid. That scared me already. I'm thinking that's quite a lot of money, but let's get, let's go with it. And I just I had conversations. I was able to interact with that kind of have conversations that were meaningful because I knew what I was talking about and that was really helpful and because I'm very good at selling the dream I then had three out of three saying we love you we want you to buy our business and I'm like way this is brilliant and I thought shit yeah. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> I actually <laughs> how to shut this down I don't know what I'm doing and that's the point where yeah. I thought, right, I can't, I can't wing this anymore. So I got on a plane to America uh, with three businesses that have all said, we want you to buy us. And then, I'm, and then I got the education and knowledge and then how to structure deals, how to finish them off. Came back within four weeks, you know, I'd acquired my first business in principle. That was it. Brilliant. Yeah. I love that because that's all come from sorry, uh, something similar to, uh, you know, I did a podcast with somebody. And that was when my first, they said, oh, well, I did an acquisition. And I was like, you did a what? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want a thousand new customers, just acquire a business that's already got a thousand customers. You don't need a salesperson, just acquire. I was like, oh. But it all comes down to this transition of periods through your business career. And, you know, you, you've you then gone, well, you, you've gone and educated yourself. You know, the education piece is absolutely critical. You've got to get yourself out there and educate and understand. And actually, I think what you did was exactly what everybody else does. You know, I did exactly the same, went online and, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to educate myself on all of this stuff. The downside of all this stuff is that one, it's not in any particular order because you're just grabbing it from anywhere. Um, and secondly, you might have three or four or more opinions and they all slightly differ slightly. And you're not quite sure which one's right, which one's wrong, <laughs> where to start. Have you got it in the right order? Um, and I think that what you then came on to is then getting onto that more, you know, by actually investing in yourself. And I think it is a critical thing for people to understand that ability for you to invest in yourself, whether that be a thousand pound course or a 20,000 pound course doesn't, you know, everything's going to be relevant, you know, whether it's a 500 pound photography course or a 20,000 pound mastermind for whatever. But you've educated yourself to learn and 
and, and, and educate yourself to get the right information. How did you, interesting, how did you choose the right, I'm going to call it an educator, the right educator for you? A lot of it was a little bit of instinct. I've done a lot of research, a lot of, and I, I kind of, I should have been in procurement really, because I, you know, I, I can't just take one quote. And it was never about the money. For me, it was never about the amount of investment credit. That just didn't come into it. It was the person that, to me that had the, the most credibility. And that person was, had been and was still doing kind of walking the talk, if you like, or talking the walk, walking the talk. And that's how I chose that individual because. I'd, he'd been doing it for a long time, you know. He'd got his own businesses, and and it wasn't just textbook theory. And there were, and there were people starting to come into the market who were doing that, and and that was quite transparent, really. So, and I also asked around. You know, I, I joined different forums, different groups. I looked at what was going on. You know, I spoke to people who'd done that particular course and education. And then once I'd done that, I, I just made this, I booked it straight away and didn't think about it. I didn't want to talk myself out of it then. Yeah. So, I mean, since then, you know, there's a lot more people that have come into the education market. It's like the education gold rush for m and isn't it? Yeah. So you've got to be very careful. You have got to be very careful. But I think you and I both, you know, know that you just know when you know, don't you? Hopefully. Yeah. And I, I, think, you. I think that's why I asked that question, because I think that you know, there's so many let's call them gurus out there. You know, I think that people need to make sure that when they're looking at guru, whether that be in, you know, what we're talking about here, this specific M&A or whether it's e-commerce or whether it's setting up a business or whether, like, it really doesn't matter what the course is in, but for, and it's relevant to your market, but you've got to find the right person, do the research to make sure that the people have credibility. And I think that's the word, you use the word credibility. And for me, that's the most important part. What is the credibility of that person? Have they actually done it? And have they had success in doing it? Because we can all do have a one-off and have a bit of luck. Like, I mean, yeah. we can do something once and it work, but actually it doesn't mean to say that's going to work every single time or have the ability and knowledge to be able to talk to you about what happens if that doesn't work and what to tweak and change next time. And yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, okay. So... When you're now in this sort of acquisition piece, you're acquiring these businesses. You know, you're 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 a serial entrepreneur. What what is, do you, you buy a business? Are you presumably you're buying those to exit at some point? Yep. Are you are you open and honest with the owners when you buy it that you're gonna you're looking to do this? So how does that work for you? Because you don't always go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to flip this in 16 months' time. No, and and you know what? And here's some honesty as well: is that you know when you go and get educated, you only learn so much. And mm. I kind of liken it a bit to taking your driving test. So when you go and learn how to drive a car, you learn to pass your test, don't you? That's what you do. You learn to pass the test. When you get in the car and you've passed, that's when you learn to drive. Yep. And it's the same with this. The education at the beginning will only take you so far. Experience will take you far further. And in the beginning, you know, I remember they having this again, this all this. I'm like a child in a sweet shop. I was so excited, thinking, "Oh my, I can't even believe I've just done this. This is like phenomenal. I'm going to buy another 20." I remember saying, "I'm cringing now." I remember saying to the, to the educator at the time, we were on a, on a like a, a call, a group call, and it's like, "Well, what are your your objectives?" I'm like, "I'm going to buy 17 businesses this year." Yeah, I am. Now I look back and think, you silly cow. You know, it's 17 in a year. It's, you know, it takes a long time to do one, never mind 17. Yep. And the reason being is that in the beginning, you know, you're wanting to, to be that person, that, that sort of experienced acquirer or investor. And of course, you're not. You're just not. You're making it up. You, you are to a certain degree, unless you've done it before, which I hadn't. Mm. So in the beginning, I, I sold the vision like over there. And realise actually that was misplaced. Now, really, all that's important to anybody that I speak to from an acquisition point of view is how can I make them feel safe? Yep. That's it. How can I make them feel safe and feel confident that, that the business is going to be handed over in, in some safe hands, mm -hmm. the staff will be looked after, there'll be legacy be protected, and that ultimately they'll get paid. That's all, you know, that's ultimately what they want to know. They're not interested about 20 years into the future because they're retiring. So I've kind of 
from my own phase, that my own piece where I am now, I think, no, actually, my clients, when I'm talking to them, I just want to make them feel safe and nurtured. Forget the rest. Ultimately, my plan when I'm acquiring will be, yes, there's an exit for me because I'm not in it here. For for where I'm at at the moment, I'm buying a house. It just happens to be a business. I'm tearing down the exit. Well, I'm not tearing down. I might just be updating it. I might be doing some bits to it to improve it. And then down the line, I'll sell it to a new family. That's how I do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not into the, I kind of not in buy and hold as in for you know, the next 10 years. That's not where I'm in it for at yeah. all. Nice. I love that. So what sort of things for people listening today, what sort of things, you know, I, do you look for? What is the things that if someone's sat here thinking, oh, I'm thinking about selling my business, you know, what, what sort of things are that, that interest you? What sort of things would excite you? What, what? Well, it's really you know. interesting. So, yeah, I, I don't work with distressed businesses. That's something I don't work with. I know there's a lot of people who do that, and that's, and that's perfect. I like to work with profitable businesses that have had you know, a really great history over its tenure of its existing guardianship, that where the owners are really decent people, that's really important to me, that they are good people with a good culture and that the business has got room to grow into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, if any of those things are out of line, then I don't go forward with it. You know, I just don't. If there's anything, if I don't feel comfortable with them, then it, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of sector, I think for me, it's kind of sectors where I'm excited about it and I'm interested in it and there's a challenge in it. Um, I'm at the moment, in terms of diversity, you know, I've got commercial interior design i've got pet technology believe it or not i've got a pet tech business which is going (laughs) very excited about that to be honest very excited you know to property portfolios to uh, marketing agencies and i'm also working with um with businesses now in roll-ups so i don't know if you've discussed that in the past before but I like the idea of bringing companies together in a safe space together where we grow them together and they in the safety numbers, you know. Um, and what we do then is we work with really motivated owners who've got, who'd like to have a capital event. Now, a capital event can be different to an exit in the sense that capital event happens when you sell a business or some or part of your shares in a business and you get money for it. You don't necessarily have to leave. Yep. So they can have a capital event or an exit within 12 to 18 months. So it's very short, very condensed, but they sell for more because they're part of the group than they would on their own. And that's becoming, at the moment, again, you know, I'm I'm working on three at the moment. Three at the moment. And the reason being is because the economy is going the way it is, businesses are thinking, how am I going to survive this? I I can't grow, grow, but I need to stay safe. So roll-ups are really good. So that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm doing roll-ups, a big part of what I'm doing. I'm taking small uh, small positions in companies as well. And what we do is then I help them structure, prepare, add value into the business so that when it comes to sell, it's a plug-and-play. Because the sad reality, as you know, Andy, is that 80% of businesses will never sell. There's lots of reasons for that, but they will never sell because they're not ready or they fall into the wrong hands to help them sell. Yeah, that's that, that, it's interesting. I had a conversation with someone this morning, and and uh, you know, it's well, what are you doing after? Okay, what are you once you've sold? What are you doing? And that for me is one of the key decisions. I said, you know, before we go down the line any further, you need to decide on what you want to do because it's all very well selling and having a capital event, whatever that capital event looks like. But if you've got no idea what you're going to do after. People really struggle with that because they just can't. They can't can't, can't imagine it. No, and actually, you've probably seen this lots of times. They get a seller's remorse or pre-sale remorse, which is, this has defined me for 20 years, largely, 20, 25 years. It's who I am. It's my baby. It's my baby. And actually, now you're cutting the cord, and I don't know what to do. They become very, very... um, they can become very fearful, actually. Their identity starts to get challenged and they don't know what to do because they've not prepared that piece. And retirement then is quite terrifying. And I don't know about you, but I would say eight out of ten of the people that I work with say, is there a space for me? Can I do some consultancy? Can I do something small? Yeah. Uh, and Actually, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because when you, you acquire a business, some people want people involved. Some people don't want people involved at all. The business... In my experience, for the ones we've done, certainly, you, they've, 
They've run this business for 20 years. They've got a huge amount of experience. You probably want to have some of that information somewhere with the ability for them to support you. I mean, yeah, Rogan, you you then keep it as is, as best you can. Um, yeah, and and we all again, you know, I suppose it's part of our mantra, isn't it? Is that we're very quick to do nothing at all when we acquire, very quick to do nothing at all, because the worst, quite possibly the worst thing that you can do, and it, and it happens. New buyers come in and they want to change the lot. They literally want to change yeah. everything about it, and that makes suppliers, but uh, clients nervous, staff nervous. The whole chain starts to break down before you know it. You've ruined a business that's been going for 20 odd years. I've seen that happen. Yeah, 100%. Now, look, we're coming to an end. It's been a wonderful conversation. Um, uh, we've gone around in a couple of different circles. I think the key thing for me is there's a few bits in there for people to take away that they can really focus on and think about, you know, whether you're starting a business, you know, about what that looks like, whether you're scaling a business and that scaling could be just growing the business or acquiring businesses into those. Um, but if people want to get in contact with you, Susanna, and they want to hear a little bit more about what you do, um, they want some support, some help, some advice, what's the best way of doing that? Well, you find me at LinkedIn is where most people find me. I'm a kind of a, a LinkedIn help. I'm there all the time. So get me on LinkedIn under Susanna Hancock. My website is coming. It's, it's uh, being developed now. I'm also going to be starting a, um, a national roadshow of events, which are all about giving businesses now what they need, which is a very clear roadmap to where they need to be going. So, and it'd be very, they're very interactive. You'd be bringing in laptops, you'll be getting engaged and you'll be doing an assessment on your businesses and looking at what you just mentioned earlier, actually, Andy, which is looking at where the key drivers are in the business, where the risks are, where the value is and having an, a, an absolute clear plan of what steps you need to take to make sure that you're resilient going forward and that you can secure growth but you need to have the plan. So that's going to be kicking off in November, end of November, and going through to probably February of next year. So keep it, if you keep an eye on LinkedIn for now, that's where all that will be published. Fantastic. And when they come through, I'll be sure to share those. So if you if you're in those yeah. areas that they're in, then you'll you if you're following me as well, you'll you'll I'll share those so so people can see those as well. Well, look, Susanna, thank you very much. It's been uh, absolutely epic having you along. Um, it's been great to hear a bit more about your story. I apologise. I thought you was the chatty one in the corner when actually you was the good girl. Just getting. <laughs> uh, so hopefully, I didn't think you. Yeah, I'm the uh, chatty one when you see me in many events now. It's all those years of childhood of not speaking. I'm making up for it. You're making uh, exactly that. Thank you very much. Uh, this was Andy Hooper from Business Insider Secrets. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll look forward to welcoming you on the next episode very, very soon. Thank you very much. Want to learn what it takes to start, build, or scale a business to 10 million in revenue? Join me as I chat with business leaders, CEOs, and founders about the secrets to scaling their businesses. Our guests are going to teach you the skills, knowledge, and tips needed to start a successful business, how to achieve your first million, and furthermore, each episode's guest will share what they are doing that works. But best of all, you're going to learn the secrets to take your business to the 10 million mark. Join me now.